You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 307. Writing is easy. All you have to do is sit at a typewriter and bleed. Ernest Hemingway. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft, it's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie's going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Well, guys, today on the show, we have Oscar-winning screenwriter Alex Delanaris. And Alex is one of the creative forces behind the remarkable Oscar-winning film, Birdman. Now, Alex and I sit down and have a very deep conversation about what it was like coming up, how he turned down working on some very big movies with some big directors where he almost got ousted by his agency, how he got his agency in the first place, and what happened when he was asked to be a writer on Birdman and so much more. This is a inspiring and educational conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Alex Delaris. I'd like to welcome to the show, Alex Delaris. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. Well, first off, great name. I like the uh, first name. It, it works. <laughs> I think it. I think it means leader of men. If you look it Obviously. up, mo- that, that's what my really? mother used to tell me. Yeah, from Alexander course, the Great. I think. Yeah. Of course, your mother would tell you that yeah, because you're right. Latino, and that's what my mother would tell me as well. That's right. That's right. I tell you, it's a really funny thing right now. So you know, my relationship with my dear friend and my director Alejandro Nyaritu sure. mm-hmm. calls me. Never calls me Alex. He always talk, calls me Tokayo mm-hmm. for na- namesake, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was producing films with. The two directors that I'm now developing films to talk about this later. But anyway, one of them is Alex. Her name was Alex from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm doing a Colombian, I'm producing this Colombian artist film. Her name is Alessandra. And mm-hmm. her director is Alejandro Mejia. So every time we're on the call, you're like, which Alex? Alex three, Alex two, <laughs> which Alex? Seven Alexes. We have no idea who's who. <laughs> and growing up, I couldn't meet one Alex, but now they're either. everywhere. I know. They weren't as popular back then. But listen, yeah. man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been uh, a fan of, uh, of of your work and what you've been doing outside of, obviously, Birdman and other things you've done as well. Um, but my first question to you, sir, is how and why did you want to get into this insane insanity that is the film industry? I mean, I, 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 I sort of backed into it a little bit. I, I grew up um, in this tiny little town called East Rockaway, Long Island. And um, I had a, a 
movie theater across the street from me, one of those big old movie theaters called the Criterion. Um, and it was one of those ones back because I'm 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 old now. Um, so I'm talking about like late 70s. Uh, and it would one movie theater, big curtain balcony. They played one movie. If it was good, they played it for six months. If people were coming, like it never changed. Um, and my house wasn't the greatest place for me to hang out in. So I used to sneak across the street and just sneak in the movie theater and watch movies all day. And that's when I fell in love with movies. So I was like 10 years old and I was watching movies like Kramer versus Kramer and you know, great Santini and justice for all. These were all my favorite movies and Rocky too and stuff like that. But I was watching anything that was there. So um, then in high school, I fell in love with theater. And for one second, I was going to be a theater actor. And then one second later, I knew I wanted to direct theater. So then I studied theater. Um, And I had a weird life, man. Like I had a weird life. I didn't, uh, I had some tough times and, uh, but I found myself in a little university in uh, North Miami called Barry University. Oh yeah, um, I know Barry was, very well. You know Barry. There you go. So oh, I was there. very well. I was at Barry for two years, uh, and then I came back to New York because again I was a total mess. But I was studying theater, and then I was in the restaurant business because I had to make a living. And uh, one day I wrote a script for a friend, and somebody saw it and and liked it. And next thing I knew, people wanted me to write instead of do anything else. Um, and it was easier to do when I was working in the restaurant business. Cause you could get home at two in the morning and write. You couldn't get home at two in the morning and direct anything. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, I couldn't afford the time off. Um, and then my scripts just got uh, Danny Aiello is actually my fairy godfather. I know if you d- know Danny, rest in peace, Danny, the uh, unbelievable actor from do the yeah. right thing and moonstruck. And Danny got a play of mine and fell in love with it and said, who the hell are you? I need to work with you. And we did a bunch of readings and he was like my fairy godfather. And then he got me to Johnny Planko, who's a very famous manager who handled like Lauren McCall and Peter O'Toole. And he oh. asked if you, he asked, yeah, I mean, uh, more like uh, Anthony Quinn, Paul Schrader now. I mean, just <laughs> amazing. Um, and Johnny, because I was doing a play with Danny, who he represented, said, do you want a manager? I was like, you? He said, yeah. I said, you're, you're the only person. I, I would be the only person on your client list that I didn't know. And he said, uh, nonetheless, uh, I think you're going to be good. And he signed me, got me to CAA. CAA got me to Alejandro. Alejandro Iñárritu and I did Beautiful together. The first, the Bardem movie. I wrote a couple yeah. of drafts of that before I eased out. And then we got back on Birdman and the rest is history. Four films and then the rest of my film stuff. But I've done plays and Broadway and stuff as well. That's how I got there. That's how you got there, man. So it's it's interesting because so many so many people listening right now are are still you know working in the restaurant business, yeah. trying to get their scripts made. Um, but you were also in New York at the time, right? So it was a little different. Kind of like I always tell people: if you want to get hit by a car, you got to go where the traffic is. That's fair uh, enough. Yeah, and New York and LA are kind of those two places. Would you agree? I would agree. I, I would. I mean, eventually you have to find your way there because if you're going to creep up into a writer's room or if you're you know. You can write scripts from anywhere sure. um, and submit them. and But yeah, better that you're mingling, meeting, somebody sees your stuff. Of course, your, your, your analogy is right. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that it's, it's this, this business in general, there's oh, you always need to have like a Donnie Brasco style person, not an Italian, but I'm saying a person who vouches for you to give you some sort of credibility to open a door. Like Daniela was your, was your fairy god you know, father, yeah. essentially, he yeah. was the one. That, and when people said, oh, if Danny's looking at him, he must be. So he just need one person to open that creek, that door open. And then 
your talent yeah, will do what but, your talent but, does. But, but, but I think that's an interesting point because those those people that you say that might be listening, all of you out there that might be listening that that are that are trying to get there or still working in restaurant business, which I did for 24 years, by the way. I wasn't a successful writer, so I was almost 40. So, <laughs> um, but there's also so we don't jump straight to Danny Aiello because you could be listening to this going, well, yeah, well, how the hell do I meet Danny Aiello? That's the problem. Yeah. But that's not how it happens either, right? How how that happened was I wrote a play. I did that play in a, a staged reading. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the reading was a friend of my friend who was an agent, like commercial agent, a guy named Doug Keston from Paradigm. Amazing mm-hmm. commercial agent, amazing guy. Goes to the he loved the play. And at the time, the actor that I had in the part was going out, but he loved the play so much. He's like, Can I help you, you know, find somebody? I was like, Oh my God, that man. At the time, by the way, I'm living in a eight foot by five foot room in Brooklyn, eating Chinese food for five days. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. terrible. And he calls me up a few days later and says, how would you feel about Danny Aiello? I'm like, were you crazy? Like that would be like, <laughs> right. like, well, let's get it to him. And I, there's a funny story about that. I won't go into it. But my point was, it wasn't just, oh, hi, here's da- Danny Aiello. Of course. No, there's always doing a little reading of a play in a little place with a bunch of friends. Somebody was there. He said, I liked it. So it's not just, you know, it, it's about how you build relationships, how you network. And this gets right. back to your go where the traffic is. The more people you know, if you're doing good work, somebody notices, tell somebody else, and then you get to Danny Ayala, which gets you through the fence to, to whatever happens next. So there is a, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 110%. The, the point is that, yeah, you have to just do work because you didn't write, you didn't write that first script thinking that you were going to get someone like a Danny Ayala to open a door for you. Uh, you were just doing the work. But I have to ask you, man, and this is something I think a lot of people listening would, would identify with. How did you keep going until, I mean, all those years? You said 24 years in the restaurant business. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. What kept you going following the dream of being a writer and a director? I mean, but I, I, I let it die. It was never a writer. It was always, I just wanted to direct theater. You know, right. I, I never thought I would be a writer. Right. I didn't plan on it. And um, so I let it die. I was very dysfunctional. I grew up in a house that was no good. I was drinking too much booze when I was too young. I lived on the street for a couple of months in New York City. Like, it was a mess, man. I I couldn't have my lights on. I, you know, it was bad. Um, mm-hmm. But I always loved it. Right. I love theater. I loved stories. I love film always. Um, and then I got into the restaurant business. What happens is you sort of get numb because when you have enough to pay your bills and it just gets you enough, then you've, you're so depressed that you're not doing what you love to do that you finish work at the restaurant at one and then you drink your face off till four, you know, and then you rinse and repeat for about what turns into two days to 10 years, you know, and I did everything there was to do in a restaurant from washing dishes and peeling shrimp to owning one, um, which, you know, and uh, uh, general managing all that stuff. But one day I just quit it, um, 2000 or something. I just quit it and ran to Florida. And, but then I said, I'm going to try it. So I wrote the plays and then it worked. Um, so I, I didn't keep the dream alive in the middle. I just envied the dream and, and it was a really depressing time for me. Um, and still to this day when I'm, you know, I swear to God, like, this is my house. This is my office. This is my man cave down here. You can see I have a mm-hmm. drum set back there. Somewhere. Oh yeah. I was going to say, there's a very yeah, love, the drum love set, the, keyboard. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, my I love Yankees, that. All my Yankees baseballs are there. Is that a Golden Globe back there? Yeah, I think the Golden Globe, the Oscar, Oscar. Golden yeah, the Oscar. Yeah. yeah, of course. And there's no night. There's no night that I don't, or, or morning that I don't wake up and come down here and go, well, what the hell happened? Like I, I, <laughs> I wake up every day. Like I mean it. Like super grateful. Like, like that. But it's crazy, you know. No, how how I got from there to here, and that for anybody listening like that, like. There is a road. It just takes the road is the road, you know, and I think people get discouraged. because They're like, oh, you do things, you submit it. Yeah, but, you know, agents aren't reading your shit. You're not sending them straight to a studio like it seems impossible. But it is, like you said, about doing the work, about having friends read, about opening up your circles to people who are more in the business and your talent hopefully will naturally float you up, you know, toward the top um, if you if you network enough and give your stuff enough and have good soul and help other people. And, you know, I, I believe that I'm, I'm living proof of the luckiest son of a bitch in, in, in the world. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, I love what you're saying. It's actually really beautiful because it's, there's so much hardship trying to get into this business. It, it yeah. is, it is absolutely brutal. So arguably the most difficult business in the world to crack into really yeah. it's you're easy. You could be a brain surgeon faster, uh, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, or more directly. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no question. Because there is yeah. no path. And I love when you said the path is the path. The journey is the journey. And it's different for every single person. No one else is going to write a play who then a friend sees it, then an agent sees it, then gets to a Danny Aiello caliber actor who then opens a door for you. Then gets you. Nobody's going to put that. And my biggest mistake growing, you know, coming up in the business is I just started seeing everybody else's. I was like, oh, that's how Robert Rodriguez did it. Well, maybe that's what I should do. Or that's how Kevin Smith did it. Cause right. I came up in the nineties. So it's right. like, yeah. And then it never works. It yeah. Never... You hear the stories about him giving blood and raising the money. For, you're like, for, you know, yeah, you know, for, you know how many filmmakers I've talked to was like, yeah, I gave blood too. And yeah. I'm like, how'd that work out for you, bro? I'm <laughs> still hustling, man. I'm like, that was his path. Great. That's his path. Yeah. So you got to find that path for yourself. I think is the big thing. So yeah. you you finally get to to CAA. You get to to meet Alejandro. I mean, that's who, that's, the, that's not, the, but the, yeah. But, but at the time, but when you met Alejandro, was Alejandro Alejandro yet, or was he, he just, just coming up? He had just finished. No, he had just got, won the Golden Globe for and was nominated for all the Oscars for Babel. Oh, that's right. The Babel. He did do Babel. Also, yeah, he so was already he, Alejandro. He was already Alejandro. Yeah, he did his first three movies with a, an unbelievably talented writer named Guillermo Ariaga, who mm -hmm. did Amores Perros, uh, 21 <laughs> Grams, and Babel. <laughs> right. And then those guys parted ways, and he was looking for another writer. And this agent in New York from CAA, who Johnny Plant, Danny introduced me to Johnny. Johnny submitted my stuff to CAA. At CAA, there was a theater agent named Olivier Sultan, who's still my agent, one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. um, and Olivier fell in love with my play Still Life. And crazy, because Alejandro, I think, had just moved from Paradigm to CAA, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he was looking, and, and he had parted ways with, with Guillermo, mm -hmm. and he was looking for writers. And CAA, since he was a new client, and he was you know just on babbling, he's you know, up and coming as one of the biggest directors. And they sent him a pile of scripts. And the way Alejandro told me the story was like, he read through a million scripts and called CAA and was like, it's not working. I can't find it. Went through the bottom of his pile. And there was my play, not a, not a movie script, but my play still life. And he read it and he called up, you know, his people at CAA and said, who the hell is that guy? I need to talk to that guy. And they called me in New York city. I'll never forget. I was in my sweatpants eating a TV dinner off a tray with my wife, watching the Yankees play Toronto blue Jays. See, I'll never forget it. And I got a phone call. And it's like, 
is this Alexander? And I said, yeah. He said, this is Alejandro Gonzalez Nieriti. I read your play Still Life. It's full of blood. I want to drink your blood. <laughs> that was literally the first thing that mother said to me ever. That, that's what he said. And I, my wife was swooning because she thought he was so gorgeous. She's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what is happening right now? He's like, can you come to L.A. tomorrow? I got on a damn plane. That was a Tuesday night. I got on a plane the next day. And the next night, he and I were having dinner discussing what would become the film Beautiful. Two days later, he called my agents. And he's like, I want Alex. He's my writer. And I joined him in Spain. And we wrote Beautiful. Dude, that's it, crazy. Got, bro, that's insane. That's insane. insane. These are the kind of stories that are heard about in the in the in the back alleys of Hollywood. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, this is what happened. This is you. It could happen for you too. They and they'll say these kind of stories, but that's such an literally the universe was guiding you. There's just no question. There's no other explanation. There's no it makes other no explanation. Sense. Makes no sense. It makes he had a pile of scripts from all these. Imagine the famous oh, screenwriters that were in that right. pile. Oh, and I'm then sure. he picks out a play at the bottom by the kid from New York. Yeah. I remember somebody said to me, I forget who it was, but I might have been Alejandro recalling the story. He's like, like they, he told, like, I, I forget who it was, somebody high up at CA, one of the, you know, owner Kevin or Brian or something. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you know, Alex, I found my writer, Alex. And they were like, oh my God, that's amazing. Why didn't we think of it? That's a perfect, you know, <laughs> marriage. And then they called New York and like, who the hell is Alex Harris? <laughs> and they were like, oh, he's a playwright. Olivia has him. I'm like, get him on the phone. He needs to get on a plane. And I was like, that's that's how that's how that went. And did and, you ever did did you ever see the movie The Big Picture with Kevin Bacon? Yeah, it, yeah. it was. It's kind of like it has a little yeah. bit of that vibe to yeah, it. Like that. Yeah. who who is who is this guy? He's yeah. the hottest guy in, in yeah. town. We need get to get a hold of him. Yeah, I was nobody knew me. I was brand new. So all right, so you fly out? Do you fly out of Spain to meet Alejandro and start working? No, I flew from work? New York to L.A. Okay, oh to L.A. And then well, when you started to work with with Alejandro. Yeah, as a, as a collaboration. Well, first of all, when you went to meet him that night, dude, what is that like, bro? How do you like? Uh, even, I can't even. Bro, bro, like, how, I, can't, like, I can't even tell you the joy of it. Like, I'm a, I'm a schmuck. I'm not making any money. Um, but I get out there. He picks me up for dinner in his car. We go to this Italian restaurant that we still go to man. now. It's a little outdoor place. Like, not doesn't look super fancy, but it's really good. The food's great. And he loves it. And they're letting him smoke out on the patio, which in LA you can imagine. Oh, good. Luck. Um, but we're we immediately hit it off, right? So we're like three bottles of wine in and Alejandro, I don't know if you remember the movie beautiful, but Alejandro like gets up from the table and he's like, no. And then we're on the water and I'm going to see you look down, dead body floating, like eyes looking at dead body. And there's everybody eating right around us in the restaurant, but he gets so passionate and he just starts doing this. Then another dead body another, and the whole, all of a sudden like a graveyard in the water. And I was just, I loved every minute of it. But you could just picture the people nearby going, what LA. the hell is that guy talking? LA. It's LA, LA. It's just um, LA. And we, yeah, we fell in love on our first date. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And, and yeah. so let me ask you, working with someone of, like Alejandro, who's obviously a genius, he's an absolute yeah. genius. Mm -hmm. What are some of the lessons you learned as a writer working with him specifically on that first project? And then we'll get to Birdman. Well, the first project was amazing because here I am in this whirlwind that I go to I go to Spain, to Barcelona, where that movie takes place. And it's about street people, um, African immigrants who sell the purses and the videotapes, like a big part of the story. And the story is Javier about them has two kids and he's dying. 
and he has no place to leave them. His wife is sort of bipolar and he doesn't have family and he doesn't have money. And We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. This whole thing uplifting. is about, very uplifting. Do, oh, very uplifting. it's so sad. What do I do with this? What do I do with these kids? Um, so we went to Barcelona for a week or two. We did the research. We interviewed. We went to the little apartments of these people and how hard they work and how tough they live. It was really, uh, and then saw sites and you know we sort of got what we what we needed. And then he said, "Make it your own." You know, now make it your own. And I went back. I I, I moved to Barcelona for about a month. My wife was my best partner. Um, my wife Nyla and. She was like, just go, because I wanted to be there. It was so about the streets of Barcelona. So I lived there and I just typed it out and I handed it to Alejandro. And he said to me, like, this is not what I wanted. And I was like, I thought he was kidding at first. And he was like, no, this, it, and all of a sudden he sounded sad. And I was like, oh shit, like he means this. And we did all the work together. We talked about, it. like, I didn't. And he said, I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to write a few scenes and then I'll send them to you and you'll see more of the tone. And I was like, oh my God, it's for real. And I remember sitting on a couch and I, I got to admit, I was, I was crying. Like well, my I wife, would to be, I would be too. My, my wife was just, you know, and I was just so sad, not only because it was Alejandro, but because like, I felt it's so strongly about what I had done. No, no, the story. Um, mm. And then he sent me some scenes and I realized, oh no, I'm not, I, I, I liked him. We liked each other so much. And I'm like, I, I, I can't write that story. So I talked to Nyla, I talked to my agents. And then finally, one night I got on the phone with Alejandro and I was like, brother, I can't write this. I, you're a genius and this movie is going to be amazing, but I'm not your guy um, and I'll make it worse because I don't believe that 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 isn't my understanding. And I'm too close after a month with these people that I I wrote. Um, but you can use everything I wrote. And I'm sorry. He's like, well, you know, Guillermo and I used to hammer it out. And I'm like, yeah. If I thought we were close, but uh, we're not close and I'm just going to hurt your movie. And it was funny because Alejandro was the only guy that understood. Like, I remember the night, I think he'll recount it the same way. We both were really sad about it. We were like, we knew it was strictly about the work and he respected that. And I respected him so much. And I, and that was it. And I didn't talk to him again until he was going to do the premiere, which I, uh, not a premiere, a screening at the Soho house in New York. And he invited me and I was so nervous. I brought my friend Olivier, my agent, just to hold his leg. Cause I was so nervous and everybody was there. Like Julian Schnabel was there and I Alfonso was there. And I watched the movie and a lot of the stuff for the father and the kids stuff was still uh, had my stuff and spirit in it. And, and so that relieved me a little bit. And then the other stuff was the other stuff. Um, and, uh, he was so nice about it and we had lunch the next day and he said, what did you think? And I was like, what am I supposed to say? I was like, it's a beautiful movie. I still stand where I stood before. I think when it focuses on this thing, it's, I feel more of that when it doesn't, I sort of don't, but, and, you know, like my reps and people stopped talking to me for a little while. Cause they thought, <laughs> here's this, here's this new guy and he's a vain, crazy difficult. And I was none of those things, but they didn't know that. Alejandro knew, knew that. And sorry to make this story longer than it should no, be. No, 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 go ahead. But so I resigned from the film. I was, I'm the first name on special credits. Um, I remember sitting with my friend Brad Fryman watching a clip of Javier on the Oscars that year. 
And I was standing with my buddy Brad, who was an actor, who was standing right next to me, I'll never forget. And they were showing the clip of Javier because he was nominated for Best Actor for that. And I said, look at that, Brad. I said, that's the closest I'm ever going to get to an Academy Award right there. Like that thing. And Brad was like, get a whiskey. Like <laughs> I was, I was, I was screwed. I'm buying. <laughs> yeah. And then, so my agents, you know, were not pleased and understandably, but they didn't hear the whole story. And then I went to, I used to write in Puerto Rico. I used to write on the West coast in Isabella whenever I went to go write. And I was working on a musical of the bodyguard of all things, the Lawrence Kasdan um, mm -hmm. movie. And I was doing a musical for England and I got there and I got a call from Alejandro and he said, the Tugayo. He said, I, uh, I have an idea. It's a comedy, dark comedy in one take. And I want you to write it with me. And I said, man, nothing would make me happier. We have unfinished business and I would love that. And he said, do you mind? Because the, guy the guys who replaced me were Nico and Armando on Beautiful. They're the ones who are credited mm -hmm. with Alejandro. He's like, do you mind if I bring this guy Nico in with me? And I was like, Miss Mother. Yeah, sure. What am I going to say? No. Um, but, you know. Then I got a call from my agent who was like, hey, I heard you. Uh, yeah, I was like, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, understandable. Hey, it's understandable. Hey, buddy, pal. How are hey, you doing? I heard. Yeah. I heard you had a kid two years ago. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I, I understand it. I really do. Um, so then I, we flew to New York. I met Nico and it took Nico and I one day to become brothers. Mm. And then Nico and I were writing Birdman. Um, and then Armando came in, was doing help him with story, and Alejandro, you know, had the idea, and and then and, and oh, I'm sorry, and that's that's how that happened. I thought I turned that off. Um, that's how that happened in the craziest, in the craziest way. Um, we ended up working on Birdman, and that's how that story went. So I guess I risked everything. I didn't mean to. I, I still I don't know if I went back in time now. I. I probably wouldn't have done it again. And my wife was a champ for standing by my side, as was my agent, Olivier, um, because you imagine how crazy that sounds. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, you, <laughs> man, that's, I mean, brother, man, that is a hell of a story because you just, you get your shot with arguably, you know, uh, one of the greatest directors of his time, of his generation. Uh, and everyone knew he was going in that direction uh, without question. And you decide to have, in Hollywood, integrity, <laughs> as, I, as I put it out in quotes, yeah. integrity yeah. for the story. Like it sounds insane. This is Hollywood yeah. talking. This is a Hollywood thing. But, so that's how the I, agents I, looked I, at it. But Alejandro yeah. understood where you were going with it Alejandro and respected it and, res and respected it because, because you're right. Be because a Hollywood yeah. director, the would have a Hollywood writer who might have not had the same sensibility as you would have been like, this is my shot. I'm going to hammer it out with him. And it might have made the, the film worse, but you outed up. You said this is not going to work. I, I, I probably should have, um, but <laughs> I did. I just respected him so much. And I was like, I'm not going to get in the way of this genius. Like, I'm going to write that badly. I'm, I'm going to write that badly. And this is my first shot. And, and you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know if I do the same thing again today. I'd like to think I would. Um, I was making no money at the time when I quit. You know, I was making... I had two plays off Broadway in New York, which pays you all about $25,000, $30,000 in total mm -hmm. um, in some of the biggest off-Broadway theaters in New York, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and they still, you know, there's no money in it. And, you know, my wife was making all the money at that time. She calls me her startup now to this day. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a great, I love that. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, but she stood by me. But yeah, Alejandro knew what I was saying. 
and I was saying, I'm not going to get in the way of your vision of this, of this film. And nobody else got it, but he got it and then came right back to me. And now we've done four together. We're still doing stuff together. We're brothers. Um, I love him. Um, so it, it just worked out. Man, it, it definitely worked out the way it's supposed to work out for you. And it, it's and the thing that's great about it is looking in from the inside out, from outside in, it's insanity. But from the inside out, it makes all the sense in the world. Sure. Uh, yeah. it's, it, 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 looking back. Yes, looking back. <laughs> looking back. At because the moment when you're in it, not so much. No. Um, now, I have to tell you about Birdman, man. I, I was that year I I. I heard about Birdman and obviously it looked it looked really interesting and I was a fan of Alejandro and I watched it and I'll never forget my first impression of, of Birdman. I, I turned to my wife and I said, oh my God, that's what a director is. I haven't seen a director direct, really direct and have such a clear vision in such a long time. And that, that's not a slight on any other director, just no, at that no, moment, his vision was so vivid for that film and it just was like he took you by the nose and carried you through the entire movie and the performances and the one shot and i'm like what is going on when you're writing that with him it's an insane story yeah everything is a little bit like it's insane the characters are all over the place meaning that like there's so many different things going on in that story how did you keep it all that's i guess that's why you needed for three to four writers on it well, to kind of keep it all in, in check. I would tell me. It, Alejandro had a strong vision of what it was. Yeah. He had a very strong vision. Um, and Armando is a director as well, and a very good one at that. Um, they tend to be story guys. I mean, Alejandro's generating a story. And Nico and I are the sort of writing guys. Like, how do we make that? How do we put that into, you know, exterior St. James Theater, New York City. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, I think, like I said, Nico and I had became inseparable and we were finishing each other's thoughts and we're two very different kind of writers. Like, I don't know if you saw it. Nico has a really quirky, great film called John in the Hole. That was a con. It was in the stupid, bright, in the pandemic but um right he's nico is a uh an absurdist at heart he's uh uh an abstractionist and i'm uh dialogue action conflict and together it was that's what birdman is right either you have michael keaton and emma stone and you're not important blah 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 get used to it or you have him eating baloney going, I don't know, this play is chasing me around with a tiny hammer hitting me in balls or, or Birdman flying. And that's Nico. And the two of us just loved each other's styles, even though we don't write in each other's styles. So we would laugh, you know. Um, so I think speaking for myself, I mean, I know Alejandro, I'm going to, you know, I'll tell you a million ways why Alejandro is a genius. Um, but speaking for myself, in this particular style played right into my strength as a playwright right of course yeah long yeah. dialogue scenes clever keeps moving it's not elliptical um mm-hmm. it for me it was like going home you know to to, to my plays um and i love that um so i focused on that nico focused on the more esoteric and alejandro is a master of both he's a master of 
the 50-50 and two people in a room going at each other. And he's a master of the visual uh, uh, epic sweep move. But I think the best thing I can say about my partner Alejandro is that his guts just don't lie to him. He mm. knows in a way, like when he and Chivo, the RDP, Emmanuel, oh, of course. when him and Chivo are standing there and working it out, you just sit back and I don't know what to say. You, 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 you just sit with your mouth shut and watch. It's, it's a stunning thing to, to see happen. Their instincts are so pure and have adrenaline in them by all by themselves. And that's what, for me, the best Birdman, Birdman to you was what Goodfellas was to me when I saw it. Oh, he just pulled, yanked you into this world. And then you're in this world and you, you just don't get out of it. It's just strap in and go. And I feel like Alejandro outside of the writing, I'm just talking about his direction, did that like Birdman, whether you like it or love it and people love it and people hate it. Like I get both. I really do. Um, but for the people who love it, I think it feels like that. You got pulled into this ride and it's dark and it moves and you just don't know what's happening. It doesn't feel familiar in a way, which is, you know, really lovely, I think. And rare and rare these days. And rare. Yeah. I felt it last year about that, uh, about everything everywhere, which wasn't my favorite film, but I certainly loved it. But it yeah. felt like, oh, shit. Yes. Right. Two rocks or boulders are speaking to each other. That's perfection. Like, is this, are those it, hot dog hands? Hot dog fingers? Right, hot yeah. dog hands. Why, why sure. Sure, sure, sure. Get, sure. To, like, get to the bagel. We're good. Yeah, that's, no, no, that and don't even get me started. I mean, I had the boys on, the Daniels on before they were the Daniels, yeah. and and just hearing the story of how I'm like, you guys are insane. It's insane. Uh, it's a, the movie, that it. movie's ins- it was so wonderful. It was such a wonderful film as well. Yeah. And you know, speaking of Chivo, I mean, Chivo had a, a run there of three three Oscars in a row. Gravity, Alejandro had and Revenant. Yeah. Not 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 a bad run, and then Alejandro had back-to-back Oscars for Best Director, which I don't know if that, has that happened before? It has, I think once or twice before. I remember. It's a rare, it's a rarity. It's definitely not something that happens often. Um, Working, when when you're saying this this thing, when you're watching Chivo and and Alejandro working on set and they just know that they trust their gut, it sounds to me like they're just, that thing that we all, all the creatives, all of us creatives do when we try to connect to the ether to connect to the source of whatever creativity is. It seems like they have a very strong connection to it and they trust it implicitly. Like they just, because a lot of times as a writer or as a director, you second guess. You kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe not. It sounds like these guys are like, it's like watching the Beatles writing a song in those documentaries. Just like, they're just, they're firing on all cylinders. Yes. That's, that's, I've been in the room. I mean, I'm, I've been privileged to be in the room. It's crazy. And I, I think I want to be clear because I, I, you know, I, I know and have been friendly with, with, you know, Alejandro, Alfonso, Guillermo, uh, del Toro, uh, Chivo. Um, I, I'll say this, if, if the world's still around in 50 years, there are going to be full chapters in film books about that, these three guys. Oh, absolutely. In that period of time. And they make very different movies. Mm-hmm. But they all come from the same place. This what they're going to call Mexican, the Mexican cinema of the aughts is this passionate, like it's not the genius of Paul Thomas Anderson or the genius of the Coens, which are 
of course, massive geniuses. But the, the difference in style with the Mexicans for me is this lead by the gut balls out. The mistakes are part of the, you know, like I watched Todd's movie the, the, um, with Kate uh, um, Tar. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's, it's, it's perfection. It, it's, it's, I, I don't mean the, the story or anything. I just mean it's constructed in a way that's so perfect. Um, and it's super wonderful. Our guys aren't like that. They're, even when it's choreographed to an inch of its life, the mistakes are part of the joy of it. The, the car chase, famous car chase in City of Men, um, <sighs> you know, the Guillermo and his sequence in Pan's Labyrinth that, that, that keeps cutting back and forth. Like, they just do things, and it, it's the totality of their instinct that is what's right, not the perfection of what they're doing. Even, their stuff is pretty unbelievable. But you know what I mean? And I think that's what that's what this moment and those guys have in common. This instinct, like you said, this 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 barometer that that just it, it, it just takes them the right way, and or it takes them somewhere. Um, right. I mean, you look at Guillermo. Get on or you get look, off. Yeah, look at Guillermo's stuff. I mean, it's so Guillermo. Like, there's just yeah. no, there's no one else on the planet who can make a film like that. No. Like, and those are the best kind of fil filmmakers. Are you can't see. Anyone else making Avatar, regardless, you can't Agreed. see you can't see anyone else making ET. Like you, you just can't see that. It's not possible. It's the DNA is so mixed in that you know they'll make it like like you know, Spielberg couldn't make a Goodfellas, but it's not going to be Marty's Goodfellas. No, you know, and Marty could have made Jaws. It's right. Not gonna, it, it, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's it's, it's, right. Working with Alejandro now uh, on so many projects, what is like the biggest lesson you've learned as a writer working with him? He has a he has a a bullshit meter <laughs> where you can write something really really great, you know. And you know, writers we usually hate ninety percent of what we write, but you'll find something and say, "Oh, that's that's really great," and he's like, "Yeah." It's it's really good, really good. I'm not going to use it um, because I can do that whole thing you just did. If I just do this with the camera and go there, but it's great, nice idea. What else do we have? And you're like, wait, I just I spent three weeks. Like, what are you talking about? And then you're watching. You're like, yep, yep, he was right. Just, like, he, he had, they have an amazing way to get past. Alejandro has an amazing. It's again, it's his truth meter. He just he just knows if it feels you know, right or wrong, or whether it, it's an image or a line. He just, he has a knack. You know what? He comes from music. Like Alejandro is very much from music. Um, right, right. I think he was, when so I was in the restaurant business, I think he was a DJ. Um, but music means a lot to him. And that's how he, I think that's his paradigm. He sees everything as this sort of rhythm and music and whether it's time for a dissonant note or harmony, he'll 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 know sort of enjoy. But that's that's what it feels like. Um, and he's he's taught me to to lean more on, like stop being so polished and stop saying everything. Say what's get down to the center of it. And he's made me better. I mean, he made me better instantly with with Birdman and even scenes in Beautiful that you know that that survived. He just makes me better. Now. 
I always like asking uh, this question from people who've won Oscars. What was it like being in the center of the storm? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. That was Birdman, the whole pomp and circumstance. You're going to award show after award show and everyone's, you're the best, you're the greatest. This destroys most most people. It does in Hollywood. We've seen yeah. that a thousand times. Um, how did you deal with being in the middle of this whole uh, hurricane? Essentially, it's the eye of the storm. Essentially, well, I think I think the greatest thing about being a screenwriter is that nobody knows who you are. That's true. That's true. You, you have that's to tell true. somebody. I was funny. I was at a funeral <laughs> of my my great aunt. She was like 170 years old. God bless her. And I was at a funeral, and somebody I hadn't seen in 20 years, my Armenian side of the family, came up to me at the funeral. I was like, "Oh my God, you're famous!" I said, "I'm not famous." They're like, "You're famous. We saw you in the Oscar." And I said, "I'm not famous." I said, "What's your favorite movie that you ever saw in your whole life?" And she said, "Shawshank Redemption." And I said, "Who wrote it?" She went. I said, what's your second favorite movie of all time? She was like, Casablanca. I was like, who wrote it? Like, nobody knows. Like, it, only movie people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So screenwriters, you get, you're under the radar. Plus, there was me, Nico, Armando. Like, we were all sneaking under Alejandro. You know, everybody's looking for him as the director, as the auteur, naturally. So it wasn't that crazy. So we, we had the joy of being able to be part of it and still be able to enjoy it with our wives. And, like, we had a ball at the Golden Globes. We were getting drunk at the table. We had a we had a ball like <laughs> the whole time we just had a ball because it wasn't it wasn't real it, you know we weren't under any pressure at all um right so it was fine like i i was there I, i'll show you I, I don't know if i can go get it for you but it's hysterical i don't know please crazy. go go get it go get it go get it all right hold on yeah. hold on a second. If you, <laughs> if you go, if you go to, um, whatever YouTube, wherever you watch the, sure, sure. you know, Birdman winning best picture or whatever, yeah. we had one screenplay. Amazing. Alejandro had one director, Chivo won. Um, we were hoping Michael would win. I I'm still, sad Oh, I know that's still, that's, um, yeah. But so we had done our thing and then best picture. So best picture you win and everybody goes up on stage. So now we're up there with Emma and Ed Norton and, you know, all the things. I'm like, nobody's looking at me like Arna Milchan, um, Jim Scott, all the great producer. Um, and I'm standing up there and I'm like, well, literally nobody at home or in this theater is looking at me. So you can see it in the YouTube video. I reach into my pocket and I take out my phone and I just go like, I don't aim. I just go like this. And I, you know, turn that camera really fast. One click, I put it right back in my pocket. I'm like, I probably got, you know, somebody's feet, but I had to try it. Well, the picture that came out of my phone no. was this. Wow. Can you see that? Oh my God. That, everyone who's listening, you got to go onto YouTube and watch, look at this. Well, what an amazing, that is amazing. So Alejandro's picture. holding the Oscar in the God light that's coming right down on it. You see it? <laughs> And there's like Jared Leto and Clint Eastwood. And my wife is out here in front of Harvey Weinstein and Anna Wintour in the red dress. Oh, good uh, Lord. But I got that uh, photo. Did you give that to, I'm assuming you gave that to Alejandro. I didn't give it to anybody. He asked me for it. I was like, nope, that's mine. You want to visit it? Come to my house. <laughs> um, but it was a that's wonderful a moment of uh, an example of like, I was just enjoying it. I was just, 
and there's a, yeah yeah it's so crazy wow. man Dude. i would show you some other stuff if this was a if we were on the video because there's a video of my friends who are all gathered in new york city in a basement 50 of my best friends yeah and when we win that's the only thing that ever made me cry that year was they sent me that that night at four in the morning or whatever oh there's a video of them nervous and then these eddie murphy says bergman and they erupt i mean erupt oh. and cry and laugh and they had won it and it made me so emotional um it's still one of my favorite uh moments my god brother that's yeah. that's, that's so it was that's, fun it was it's fun now after you win the oscar then of course everybody in town want you're one of the, you're an oscar winner now you're yeah you're an oscar winning screenwriter everybody how did the town treat you different did it treat you differently did it treat you the same i mean you're already you're not a kid so you i think you can handle whatever comes your way a bit better than if you were yeah. 20 and gotten that <laughs> yeah and i also lived through you know not so great time so i i'm right. like i said i'm I, i'm generally grateful um yeah, things change, you know, uh, the jobs become different. You, you make your agent's job easier because right. they, they can go out and say, you know, um, it, it wasn't. There were four of us credited on the film, so, you know, um, but yeah, offers started coming differently. And then once I got on Zooms with people, they understood who I or or in person meetings, they understood who I was then. It definitely created more work, obviously a little bit more money. Um, and I don't have to pitch stuff as much anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I can if it's personal, but the biggest advantage is people come to you and say, Hey, how about this? And, you know, I tend to want to work with, with like young, not young, but new filmmakers makes me happy. Like I just did Carmen, which is out now with Benjamin mm -hmm. Nipied. That was his first feature and he, he has an amazing eye. I'm doing with Residente, with Renee, I'm doing the Puerto Rico film mm -hmm. um, because I love the still searching for it. And then occasionally I'll do the, you know, film Alejandro talking about doing something else now, but I'll do the other ones as well. Um, but I get now it's more I get to a little more ability to choose what I want to do and not have to hustle, as it were. Um, you know, as much as I used to, thank God, because I'm 55. So I don't know that I have the energy for it. Brother, you're telling me about it, man. It's getting tough out here to hustle. Keep, keep that hustle going. <laughs> when, when you wake up and you hear things popping and creaking oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, oh, oh what don't the even, hell, man? Even, yeah. Wake up and so the, to the bathroom. So this, so the startup paid off for your wife, essentially, is what it's um, like. Yeah. 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 She was smart. She's, she's, she, she's, she's still uh, the smart one. Yeah, my my wife was it. My wife called me the uh, uh, not an inv investment, but an, not an endowment, but uh, 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 a, a, some sort of financial instrument that yeah. pays off years later. Yeah, uh, that's a new, that's, a new that's yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, it's finally starting to pay off. It's like it's only taking, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a long term investment. This one, this was yes. Yeah, <laughs> how old are you? I'm forty eight. Oh, you're forty eight. Uh, I'm forty eight. Look at you. Those babies, still, stop still the young, baby yeah. and the baby. Years. You and I walked over the same dead body, sir. Okay, so please. <laughs> <laughs> and Alejandro was shooting them, and like, and then the yeah, dead body, same time. and then the dead the body, the and then the body. That's right. <laughs> so, so you worked also as a co-producer on The Revenant, uh, which is again another. Ma I mean, he was just nailing these things, 
back to back yeah. to back. I was just like, what is what is this man on? And can I get some? Like it was yeah. remarkable. You worked as a co-producer. I'm assuming you helped a little bit on the back end with the writing or, or polishing, or was Nico, just Nico and I helped with the story a little bit and we helped mm-hmm. we had we advised on on that sort of thing and, and we're close to him when he when he needed us um during that period. Um would you want set? Nico went to set. I, I was in New York. I was working on uh my musical and I was working with Guillermo on something at the time. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to go. But um Nico went. Um and it was crazy all the stories. I, and I, I would oh. get I would get the phone calls. Um but that's just another example of those two main. I don't think he'll ever do that. Like that I mean he just did Bardo, which was insane, but like Revenant was like three hours of light. They're using all natural light. It's four degrees. They run out of snow. They got to go to Patagonia. Leo's going, you know, methoding his way like a madman. Like he wanted to live it all. Like he 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 ate it up and lived that. I mean, I'm so glad he won for that because if that was he was. A piece he, of his- he, he literally was going to kill himself until they gave him an Oscar. For God's sake, someone yeah, gave him an Oscar. He tried to kill himself in, in Revenant. I mean, he might as well have. He was in the freezing water. He's eating buffalo liver. Like, the guy's a maniac um, it, it, and a, an incredible actor. And I, I'm, I'm so glad they, they rewarded him. But that, that was everybody just, you know, whatever, risking life and limb to, to make a film. And I think you can see it in the, in the imagery. I think you can see it in the film. I mean, the, 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 when I heard the stories coming out, um, from the set, uh, and I had a few friends of mine who worked here, and, and I would hear stories. I'm like, this can't be like three hours of natural light. I mean, I know it's Chivo, and I, I mean, and Chivo, I trust, but cheese, like, and no, it's, it's crazy, and it's crazy. What's the craziest story that you can share publicly that you heard? <laughs> we'll talk the, about the non-public. The hard, the hard, but yeah, the, the hard part is what we can say publicly. Um, <laughs> Because I one heard, I one know. I heard is that that he had, there was a a ringing of a bell or something like that or a, a siren once a day to remind everybody what they were why they were doing that's, what they were doing something that's, like that. That's an Alejandroism. I I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what because there's a lot of really good stories. Um, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. So I'm going to, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not, I'm going to refrain from that question. Okay. But well, after we off, stop recording, offline, you can tell, yeah, yeah, offline, yeah. you can tell I'll, it to me. Offline, but I'm telling you yeah, one day I, I'm, I'm going to start a show. Sure it's, yeah. I'm going to start a show one day and just record the things I get. <laughs> stop. Don't you they're, dare. Best, they're best stories ever, that's, man. That's, that's going to be the end, end of your career. No, no, no. That, I'll do that when I'm, I'm like 90 and everyone's dead already. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Because, Make sure I'm dead. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course, of course. Um, but there um, were a lot. There were a lot of crazy stories, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, jumping into f- ice cold rivers, people thermal, yeah. doctors on set, um, like how insane. hard they, how hard they pressed. Um, Physically, look, all you all you have to think about is if we talk about that window of light. If you've anybody here is ever listening has ever made a film, and you think about how much a setup is and what it takes, and if you think about that sort of opening sequence of the Revenant, even in cuts, oh. that that battle scene, even if you c- contemplate it in cuts and try to understand how that was all orchestrated within within windows of time that would provide light, it 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 would seem insurmountable. Like how they did it, I'm still not 
I have no idea. It's it's it, yeah, it is it is a masterpiece to say the least, my friend. Yeah. Now you you have also been directing as well. You've directed um features, you've directed uh, did you you have a direct you've directed a feature already, right? I haven't directed my full length shorts. I directed oh, shorts. I directed a long short about 35 minutes called In This Our right. Time, um, based on a play I wrote. I'm set up to direct to direct my first feature, which is actually the adaptation of the play I told you Alejandro read to find me in the first place, which is a play called still life. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're just trying to <clears throat> tie up the actors. I have the, um, just the genius DP, um, Luca Bigazzi, who did La Grande Bellezza and the mm-hmm. young Pope. I mean, he's, he's a monster. Um, and he read it and loved it and has, uh, has told me he wants to do it. I have a really great production designer, David Rockwell here in New York, who designs all of New York. It's a very New York piece. Um, and we're just trying to sew up the actors. We have the financing and God willing, I'll be able to announce something soon. Um, and That's hopefully next, next year we'll finally, um, we'll finally shoot it. Now, from the experience you have had on set as a director, uh, there's always that day that we all feel like the entire world's coming crashing down around us. I'm assuming that was every second on Revenant, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how, what was that day for you and how did you overcome it? I think that was that was my first day. Um, mm, I had some. Yes, yeah. I had three excellent actors. We had a scene that was in a bar with two terrific actors, an intimate scene, dialogue heavy, hard. And I had a DP who was excellent. Um, who his name is Barry Markowitz. I'll say it. He's great. Um, he shot Crazy Heart. Uh, with oh, bridges yeah. and shot oh, sling blades shot the apostle oh yeah um, oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and he did this job for me for like you know eight dollars and a sandwich um mm-hmm. because he liked the script and he wanted to work together he was he's a great guy um but he's a big personality and he was on set and then i had these producers that were wandering around on set and i just didn't have control of it and it was my first day on a feat on a, any sort of feature short or, or long uh or, or short film but it, it was my first day and I didn't know how to stand up and how to take control and things just spiraled one by one. People started in the vacuum in my absence, they started making decisions that were contradictory and it was, you know, it was a whole thing. Um, and we got through it and we got a good, we got good takes out of it. Thank God. But the next day, you know, I thought long and hard about it that night. And the next morning I got the whole set together. I said, whatever went wrong yesterday is all on me. Um, but it's not happening again. And this is how it's going to go. And they responded. My whole crew was amazing. And they were, I think they were grateful to hear it. Uh, so it right. really was a, a lesson for me because when I'm directing theater, I'm entirely comfortable, but I think my self doubt about, you know, I'm not going to talk to you I don't understand the full ramification of a lens choice. Like I understand the basics, mm-hmm. but I don't understand the full ramifications of, of it. And I felt like since I didn't, I wanted to de- defer, but then when you defer too much, it, it falls down around you. So it, I learned right away that you just want to be specific about, look, this should feel claustrophobic. This should feel like you can't escape the cage of this table. And then your cinematographer says, ah, okay. In that case, we're going to use this and we're going to, and all of a sudden the, and they're lighting and they're like, nah, now, now we have, so it really, even if you don't know the, the, the specifics, as long as you know 
the action of the scene, the, the feeling of the scene, what you want from it, and you and you and you have good people and you explain that, uh, you find things get better. But my first day felt like a landslide getting away from me, and I, I it was a horrible, helpless feeling. Um, thank God, oh, I it is. It is. It is. It's. It's brutal, my friend. It's yeah. brutal. I'm trying to make your day. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's every a day. Lot. That 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 dragon is just coming after you. Every second that comes down, lights going down. Yeah. OT. You got to. Oh no, I can't go into OT. We can't afford can't OT. OT. No. 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 It's, yeah. it's. It's. It's brutal, man. Now I have to ask you because I am uh, of Cuban descent, sir. Yes. Uh, and I have to ask you what it was like working with. The legendary Gloria Stefan. Ah, Gloria. I, I mean, I mean, Gloria and Emilio. I grew up in Miami. I remember when Miami Sound Machine hit. Dude, it was a phenomenon in yeah. the 80, 85, 86. Yeah. I try to explain to people, man. Young people it, don't understand. It was just a phenomenon. Yeah. And f- funny, funny side note, my first job in Miami as an editor was for the director of all of those early music videos. Oh, really? That's like uh, Rhythm's Gonna Get You, uh, Get On Your Feet. I'm not sure if he did the very, I don't think he did- um, Dr. B. Conga. I think oh, he did Conga. Dr. B. I don't think he did Conga, but uh, but he was there. So he, you know, and everybody who works Is in Miami Kenny? in the film industry- Is that Kenny Ortega? No, er- Errol. Errol. Oh, Errol. Uh, Errol. Um, anyway, yeah, so it was, I, I, it was I, I, growing up, man, like when Conga hit, like it was a phenomenon. It was an no, it was absolute nuts. phenomenon. Every every nuts. wedding and bar mitzvah in the country is still every it's ballpark. It was that was a little crazy for me. Um, all right. So by the way, for the record, you're talking about the Broadway musical I wrote on your feet for them about their right. life story, and now you'll be happy to know that we're working on the film version now. Um, so that should be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> It was amazing. I, I, I met them. My friend Nick Scandelius, who's a producer for the Nederlander organization on Broadway, um, had, seen the, had seen a reading of The Bodyguard that I had written the other musical for the West End. And I guess, you know, he knew I was Latino or half Latino. And, and, and he, he saw that I had done like what they call a jukebox musical with Whitney's music. He said, well, you come down to Miami. And I said, I don't think I'm going to, you know, I was busy and like, I don't think I'll be able to do it. And he's like, just come down and talk to them. So they need to know what it's what it'd be like. And I went down, and I talked to them. And it, for me, it was something else too. Like, you know, I grew up like I have a very it's, funny story. I mean, yes. I have a funny story about Gloria. Um, but um off air, sir. I can tell that one on okay, there. Go ahead, go ahead. We've talked about that story. First of all, okay. I love them and they're like family to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I love them. Um uh, Emilio, the whole the whole family. Um mm-hmm. Um, Emily and Naive as well. Um, so I met her and Emilio and they were talking and I said, well, if it was me, I, I would tell the writer who's going to do this. And I would say this because I did all the research. I read their books. They sent me all the DVDs. I did the bio like, and I said, oh, and, and if it was me, I would tell the writer. And somehow I got to the end of it and Gloria's like, you keep saying you're going to tell the writer, but she's like, I want you to be the writer. And I was like, Gloria, I told Nick, I'm just not sure I was doing Revenant. Uh, I was helping with Revenant at the time. Uh, I was doing some things. I was like, I'm just not. And she's like, well, blah, blah. And by the time we were done, we were in the parking lot. And Gloria's, you know, she's not a very, she's not giant in a, in a height manner. She's giant in other ways. <laughs> in other ways. In almost every other way. Her heart is giant and her personality is giant and her talent is giant. But mm-hmm. she's short. Uh-huh. And I remember her in the parking lot of their offices in Miami looking up at me. <laughs> and she's like, 
your mother's part Cuban, right? I was like, yeah. And she just looked at me. She went, don't disappoint her. <laughs> and I was like, coño, what do I, coño. what do I do now? I was like, what? I got to the airport and I called my agent. I said, I think I'm doing the, the, the Stefan musical. And he was like, really? I was like, I think I'm doing it. Cause the minute I told my mother, I would have been oh, no. done. If no, I no. That was a very mafioso style way. Oh, of- she went full on me. She went full. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And thank God she did, because it turned out to be one of my favorite experiences. We're still friends to this day. Um, she's a beautiful human being. Um, the story I tell, which is slightly embarrassing. Oh, God. Is that I went <laughs> to her. She has a, at her house. She has this place she calls the lair. Uh, and she was is this doing, the one on uh, the one on Star Island? Is that she yeah. still live there? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a, a side house and it has this loft, and that's where all computers and stuff is. And she was doing this like blog, this sort of, and she invited me to be on to talk about on your feet. So I went. We didn't know each other that well then, um, <laughs> and we were just talking. And she was like, "Oh, we were talking about the musical and doing research." And she's like, "No, it's like this video of which videos did she show me?" Like a music video that she did? A music video. It was one of the later ones, a little ballad, but she's in the white shirt with the black, you know, with the tight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was thinking because I'm 55 years old, but I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I had the biggest crush on you. As <laughs> if I just remembered. And then I realized, oh shit, I'm sitting with Gloria Stalling. I don't want to sound like a creep. Like, and you didn't said, say that out loud. You just, I you said sit- it out loud with my <laughs> mouth hole and right to her. I immediately must have turned like brick red. And I was like, I don't mean that in the best. She's like, darling, I will take it anywhere I could get it. Like, I was like, oh my oh, God. God. It came right out of my mouth. So I was looking at her going, oh, I remember being like really attracted to you. In my was teenage years. Yeah. In my teenage years, being really you, attracted to you. You and me both, brother. It's, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. There's, was, there's no shame. There's, she yeah. was gorgeous. She's still gorgeous now. She's gorgeous. Um, I mean, are so, you kidding? We had a ball and God did my mother ever win it all. Right. Cause she got to go to all the premieres. She got, I think my mother has seen that show more than me and Gloria. I think it's possible. Like my mother has seen that show. Like it goes to Miami. She sees it. She went, they're playing a little, little tiny theater up in Jupiter. Bro, she went to go. See listen, it. bro. Listen, I was, listen, I was, when I was coming up in Miami, I was an editor and I was editing basically commercials and music videos and things, every, all the big stuff that was going on down in Miami. And I got to work with, I did a lot of stuff for Univision and Telemundo and that kind of stuff too. And I did an epi- I did one with cheat, um, with, um, Don Francisco. I did a commercial with Don Francisco from Salvador Gante. Yeah. Bro. If I tell you when yeah. I told my parents that really? I hadn't met Salvador, I haven't met Don Francisco. I'm editing a commercial with Don Francisco. No, the, uh, the, the entire Cuban family knew that yeah. like, oh my God, Alex is famous. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Alex is fa- people in Havana knew that. I was yeah, yeah, so you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine when I brought my family back to you know. Oh, you can you imagine? Yeah, to, to, see to meet her. Yeah. Oh my God, that must have been like. And she's the sweetest. Like I, yeah, I can't even explain. I I can't even explain it. She's so loving. She's such a good person. It didn't matter who you brought because when we were on Broadway in the Marquee Theater, there was this little, it's very funny. There's this little room they put aside that they had a little bar and Emilio would just be making, you know, rum and Cokes for me and him. And like, we all like, it was a party in that room. Um, 
that room that Gloria called the G spot, by the way. <laughs> um, that was her name. That, that was her name for the thing. She said, uh, you know, mostly most men can't find it. So we'll, we'll be here on our own. Um, wow. Gloria's joke is very funny. Um, but we used to stay there and it didn't matter. Like one time I had this lady who took care of our kids and, and, and she was a Caribbean um, lady, Doris. And she was just a ginormous Gloria fan. And I was like, I got it. So I brought her. And Gloria has a, a room full of important people, but she spends 15 minutes of a 30 minute or 20 minute intermission talking to these two. And I'm like, this lady, that's how good this lady. And Amelia well, is the I'm, same. Like, they're just the most approachable, lovely human beings they ever want to meet. Dude, my, my father was telling me like he used to see Gloria and Emilio like at like malls trying yeah. to get their like playing music before they like right. just trying to get themselves up off the ground yeah. and they're like yeah oh yeah we know we've seen we saw them coming up and then that's when conga hit then they know. were playing weddings and bar mitzvahs in miami while they were selling out arenas in south america it was crazy the story is because crazy. they because they weren't famous here yet because they, they were famous, famous here yet. yeah you got to see yeah. the you got to see the either the, the musical show when it comes by or the or i'll i'll take you next time it's there it comes around all the time oh my god my friend is amazing mom. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. Are you Pepper kidding me? Um, so I'm gonna ask you a few questions to ask all my guests, my friend. Yeah. What advice would you have for a screenwriter trying to break into the business today? Trying to make it worthwhile and not cliched. I think don't don't try to write for somebody else because most people out there are doing that. So if you write with your own personality, like your talent is your talent. Nobody knows how talented you are or aren't. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. will make choices on what they think your work is, but they just don't know. So the one thing I say is original voices tend to find their way through. The one advantage a screenwriter has that other disciplines of the arts don't have is if you write original good scripts, solidly structured good characters solid dialogue if you write that you're gonna work if, mm -hmm. if you if you get anywhere near a door and get through it you're gonna work as opposed to an actor you're like well you have that mole on your face you're five seven i need five eleven you're you know yeah. writers it's like substance wins more than anything else so be yourself as much as you can because the minute you try to write like what you think they want to hear you have 70 other writers out of 80 doing the same thing and nobody you'll never you can't stand out and it won't matter because it's, that's not your talent that's you imitating somebody else's talent so i would say try to be true to yourself hear your voice don't fake it um and don't manipulate your characters like don't be objective to them when when you're writing a scene that was a big thing for me well mm -hmm. it, it is put yourself in their place don't don't say he says to her or she says to him, don't look at it from out here. Take his point of view, hear her, mm -hmm. feel what you feel, write that. Take her point of view, feel what you feel. You have to be a little bit of a method actor about it when you're writing scenes and dialogue. And then, of course, you know, as much of Aristotle as you can digest is amazing. Action, conflict, reverse, and, you know, surprising inevitability. And those things are crucial 
And you'd, you'd be shocked how many times you don't see them in a scene when you ask a writer, well, who wants what from whom? Who has the action in the scene? And they, well, I, uh, and you're like, well, that's why it's not popping right there. So that, that's my best advice, really, I think. If you had a chance to go in a time machine and go back in time and talk to that little guy at the beginning of your life, what advice would you give him? To, I mean, hold on. Like, I, hold on. It's, it, I know how bad it is. I know you can't believe it, but this crazy thing is going to happen if you just keep holding on. And, um, and I would have said that to myself as a little kid. And I would have said that to myself as a teenager. And I would have said to myself at age 24, like when it was dark, just, you just, just hang on and keep believing and keep being good to people and keep it, try to be good to yourself. Uh, that's what I would have told them. And, and, and obviously don't walk off a beautiful. And please don't walk off a set with a famous director on your first film in Hollywood, you pompous idiot. I would have said that too. What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life? In life, I'm still learning it, which is to forgive myself. Um, I'm super hard on myself. My inner monologue is horrifying. Mm. Um, I'm trying to fix that, you know, every day I have two little kids. Now I have an 11 and a, uh, a 12 and a nine, Amalia and Elena. Um, but I'm, I, I, I've been terrible to myself. Um, and I need to, I need to not be, um, in the industry. It was be passionate inspire people don't impress them right sometimes we try to impress somebody but you don't want to impress them when i talk about somebody asking me about a film i say well i would do it this way i speak the same way i'm speaking to you now i'm like i will hear i'm a little like alejandro maybe that's why we got along because that's how i describe scripts um Mm -hmm. so inspire people don't don't try to impress them um and then finally i do have to say it um those simple Aristotelian principles have carried me so far. Uh, the idea of surprising the inevitable conclusions to beat scenes, entire films. Uh, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. Of course that happened. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right. That If I was paying attention, I would have known. And you think about your favorite sort of narratives, narrative films, and you're going to find that Pan's Labyrinth, right? Holy shit, I can't believe she's down. Oh, of course, I wasn't, you know, everything That's from the best. Yeah. Usual Suspects to The Godfather to Birdman when he, of course, holy shit, of course, if you were paying attention, I would, you would have seen it. That rule carries you a long way if you can write cleverly into it. The thing I told you about manipulating your scenes, about being outside them when they talk, that's mm-hmm. a big deal, and 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 action and conflict. So the I don't think it's funny behind the I'm not going to get up again, but mm-hmm. there's a, this is all Navy blue. Cause there's a movie screen in here, but behind mm-hmm. the Oscar and it's a Navy blue cover is my uh, poetics, my Aristotle's poetics. I keep it right behind the Oscar to remind myself that that thing has nothing to, that's nothing but luck and the grace of God and, and a, a gift for my family. But what's behind that was what got me mm-hmm. I had a chance at that lottery was that book that's behind it. And it meant 
it, it's changed. It changed my life. And I, I didn't start as a writer. I, I became one and, 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 and that was it. And the hardest question of all, my friend, three yes. of your favorite films of all time. Oh God. Um, today, today. No, they, they haven't changed in a long time. Oh, okay. Um, Amadeus. Oh, so good. Foreman's Amadeus. Oh, uh, good fellas. Yep. Which I don't, I just remember seeing three times the first day it opened and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. And then it gets a little harder. Um, Godfather is ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. But I love, you know, I love Moonstruck. I love so Moonstruck. Good. It just makes so my heart explode with envy for John, the writer. Nick, um, Nick Cage. Ugh. Oh, good. And John Chance is bride. <laughs> um, uh, so the, I, I, the other thing for the writers out there as well is 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 don't not get your stuff out there even when like I'm a mentor in the Writers Guild program and I'm producing a film right now in New Mexico from a Colombian queer identifying uh, writer director named Alessandra La Carraza. Mm -hmm. She was my one of my. This is interesting. In the Writers Guild mentors program, I was a mentor. She wasn't my mentee, but she was in the program. And I told them in a group, there was about 20 of them. And I told them, I have a development company. So if you have a script that you're proud of and you want to send it to me, send it to me. Just make sure that it's your last draft, not your first for now. Make sure that there's no typos. Like don't do any, don't send me anything that tells me you were careless. But if you send it, it'll get read. And out of about 15, or 20 of them she was the only one well either okay. one or two yeah that sent it well it turns out she's going to have a story like my story because right now they're in pre-production in new mexico residente is starring in her film uh, uh leslie grace is starring in her film uh she's directing it it's a little budget it's gonna be about two million but it came because she had the balls to to have the script be proud of it and send it in i read it i was like i love the script i showed it to a bunch of people they love the script and now we're producing her first feature that's amazing um, great story. so be brave you know and don't don't be cynical like be brave and, and yeah you said it before surround yourself with other artists surround yourself with people the more people the more you have a chance to climb weird stairways uh, Alex, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, brother, brother. It, it, my it, pleasure. It, it has been such an honor and, and privilege and, and just hilarious talking to you, my friend. And, uh, I feel like I, I didn't get myself I, in trouble anymore. I, I, you know, those are the best interviews when I, when I hear the guests, oh, I God, I hope I didn't say something I shouldn't <laughs> have said. That's always the best you. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You won the Oscar already. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I can retire, right? <laughs> you can retire. You're done. You're good. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, cause all you gotta do is take, when your rent is due, just show them the Oscar and they, they don't even charge you. That's the oh, way it works, right? Beat them with it. It's really heavy. <laughs> just kill them, bury them. Alejandro, thank you. Thank you for not only being on the show, brother, for being an inspiration to so many uh, writers out there, my friend. Alex, uh, my I appreciate pleasure, you, man. All right, brother. Thank you. I want to thank Alex so much for coming on the show and sharing his journey and dropping his knowledge bombs on the tribe today. Thank you so much, Alex. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 307. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv. 